Okay. Okay, Google. Broadcast. Welcome to Trivial Debates. Okay. Are we live? We are on. There we go. Welcome to this month's edition of Trivial Debates, the ultimate pop culture challenge. We have some awesome new debates this month. Each week, well, actually, it's supposed to say each month, but somebody has screwed that up. Uh, each month, our panelists will be uh, will be judged. What is that? We will be judged and scored on their arguments of fact, passion, and creativity. Our panel this week are... Bring him in. There we go. Amen Mayer. I'm, I'm, I'm the son of the guy who invented this thing. So I was invent I was invited on purely by bias alone. Oh, okay. Well, it's good to hear that you have a bias, but there's no bias with me, my friend. No, I know that. I'm uh, I, I, I'm not talking about you. You're you're uh, not my father. That's true. I'm not, <laughs> even though the nineties were a blur. Uh all right. Next up is Chris Seymour. How are you doing, Chris? Great. How are you all doing today? I'm uh, here to hopefully continue my streak. Jody, don't talk about my streak. Just say that I have a streak. You do have a streak. Well, one of the best doing? streaks in this in this game, actually. And our third contestant is Tom Terrell, a.k.a. The Mott. Where did Mott even come from? Uh, His name backwards. Uh, something as crazy as Tom Backwards. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Two T's, not one, two. Anyway, uh, here's how the show works. There are six rounds plus a speed round for our top two panelists. Uh, we have different categories such as movies, television, music, sports, history, and, of course, a elusive wild card where anything could go. We want people to be passionate and personally mean to one another. Oh, no, that says not personally mean to one another. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, you know what? I might let some stuff slide. Uh, keep in mind that you can also skip to a new bait by looking at the time indexes in the description and going to the battles that interest you the most. Remember to follow us on Facebook and YouTube. And all links to the information can be found in the description. Make sure that you check our other podcasts as well, which I'm going to not tell them right now. I'm going to leave that a secret. And we're going we're gonna to tell them about all them podcasts later. So uh, let's get the debate going here. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble. All right. And our first question is going to be coming up on the screen. What are the best movie? What is the best movie adapted from a TV show? And let's start with uh, contestant number one, Eamon. So what'd you pick, Eamon? All right. I picked Mission Impossible. Um, the original is a the original TV show was I believe like a seventies British kind of crime show or not crime but like you know espionage show. Full disclosure, I have not seen it, but of course when we talk about the nineteen ninety six remake of it and the franchise that spawned, it was definitely a great movie. I mean, you can go back and watch Mission Impossible One. Like I watched Mission Impossible One, and I can say that it is one of the few movies. From the 90s that actually has um cgi that kind of aged okay or even maybe debatably well but that's that's kind of stretching things maybe um i tend to find that the plot of mission impossible is just 
really creative. Like, you, you know, when you're at the beginning of the, the story, you think that they're all going to get away fine. But obviously only Tom Cruise survives. And he has to figure out what happened. And because he's set up, people think that it's him, but it's not. And he basically has to figure out what's going on, who set him up, and how to fix things. And it just generally is a fun movie. I mean, if there's one movie from the 90s that you think of, like the scene of, you know, the scene where they go down in the, the cage and he's on the zip line, that, that's one of the most iconic scenes of the 90s. Possibly. For sure. All right, Eamon, thank you very much for your uh, answer there. Uh, we're going to go to contestant number two, Chris Seabor. Hey, all. Okay, my choice uh, for this great question is 21 Jump Street. Um, the, the movie... Uh, who's laughing already? The movie ad adaptation of this, uh, this show was amazing. Um, you know, Jody and I uh, grew up in the... In the 80s, I, I'm sure we remember um, early Johnny Depp. Um, it, it was a TV show about, um, um, uh, you know, what a young group of cops who had to uh, infiltrate high schools. Um, and it was, it, was, it was actually quite a serious show, um, you know, kind of a police um, procedural, procedural drama kind of show. Uh, but but the, the movie, the movie took it a step further. It added an element of comedy with uh, Jonah Hill and uh, Chatham Tatum. Um, you know what? Uh, Tatum, Tatum. Tatum, Tatum <laughs> was the, he was the jock in high school, and um, uh, Jonah Hill, who played Officer Schmidt, was kind of a kind of the loser in high school. Uh, but they met up years later in the police academy. Um, ended up screwing up on their first jobs as uh, as bike cops, and ended up having to infiltrate the high school, which is which replicates what the TV show was all about. Uh, but this time, with a, a comedic stance to it, it was, it was a hilarious movie. Um, they had to find this drug called the holy fucking shit. Um, it, and they ended up doing the drugs and becoming friends. And uh, Schmidt started falling in love with Molly, uh, um, one, of, one of the students from the high school. Uh, it was just an amazing adaptation of, of the original film. All right. Excellent, Chris. Thank you. All right, Mott, it's your turn. All right. All right, I picked uh, Superman, and we're talking about the original Superman movie. Now, there was other... Okay, wait, what's the TV show it's based off of? Off of uh, Superman. Superman was a serialized TV show, so that's fine. Okay, I'm just making sure. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so, go ahead, Buck. So, yeah, anyway, yeah, I guess you had your uh, <clears throat> uh, original... Well, I mean, you want to time out? Is there an original? Uh, I thought I used to watch the original Superman TV shows. Now, I mean, it might have been called something else, uh, but I think it was Superman, Superman, right? And uh, and at the time, uh, I guess there were. I guess before that, it was a, a comic book. But at the time, it was the most expensive movie to date. Um, I think it was fifty-five million, and then it came out. It did amazing in the box office and you know critically and i think it's because when we saw superman uh, you know you saw the fortress of solitude you saw where superman lived like yeah before that uh, in you know my you know my version of uh superman tv shows that i was saying you know superman's showing up and uh you know he's just saying you know he's always fooling uh lois lane by you know taking off his uh you know uh put on his glasses and you know nobody knew who Clark Kent was 
And, you know, that was all kind of funny. Went out and, and you know, was always saving the day. But then here, when we got to, we got to watch the movie, you know, you got to see where his home was. And you got to see, you know, these characters from, I think, Marlon Brando was uh, in the original. And uh, All right, Matt, you're over time. <laughs> Big time. All right. <laughs> I was, I was letting you go for a couple seconds, but you're going to like a new a new chapter there. Uh, anyway, all right. So all of you obviously have picked pretty solid, pretty solid choices, I guess, for this. Uh, these are all very critically acclaimed movies for the most part. Um, out of all of them, um, the one thing that wasn't really mentioned between any of these that I thought was kind of interesting was how many there were. Uh, so tell me why, Eamon, why you think that your movie... Uh, and the franchise that it spawned is more powerful than, let's say, Superman. Well, because I'd argue that um, across the board, um, Mission Impossible just had a better reputation. I mean, I think the only bad Mission Impossible is 2, whereas Mission or Superman 3 is cheesy debatably, and Superman 4 is just garbage. It's just dog shit. And tell me <laughs> if you actually remember Superman 2. Who actually remembers Superman 2? I remember yeah, Superman 2. Okay. But that doesn't matter. Yeah. But All across right. the board, you know, you have Mission Impossible 3. That one's pretty good. Maybe it's not the best, but... And you have Mission Impossible 4. That one I really liked. Uh, and you got Mission Impossible 5. You know, that one was just kind of an awesome return to form okay. for the series. And then you have Mission Impossible 6, which had fucking, uh, fucking Henry Cavill fucking loading his arms he, he loads his arms like fucking shotguns and he fucking punches motherfuckers wow he has a right. i think you've used up all of our curse words already uh <laughs> anyway uh chris i have to ask you as the person yeah. who has the least amount of sequels out of all of the uh, all of the movies uh i would also agree with jameel there jameel says superman 3 is the best then than Superman, yes, and I agree. I think three was better, uh, but I don't think all of us uh, think that. Anyway, Chris, your your pick obviously didn't spawn as many as uh, as the others. Why why do you think that is? You know what? Give it time. I mean, uh, it, it 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 did spawn spawn um, twenty two Jump Street, um, it did. and I was going for the best movie based off a TV show, not the best series of movies. Um, twenty two Jump Street was in the works. Um, and apparently, like, uh, Channing Tatum just said, you know what, uh, this has run its course. Let's not do this a third time, which I think is a great thing for a franchise. When the, when the actors can actually say, you know what, we've done such a great job. Let's not do this again and fuck it up. That was, yeah. The reason that, that that's a better way to go about things is because my, my movie does have two in the series. It's got 21 and 22 Jump Street. Neither of them are bad. They're both great movies. Good. All right, Tom. Or, now, uh, Mont, now, uh, excuse me. Let me ask the host, though. Were we really going for the greatest, you know, franchises made off of TV shows? No. Nope. Really the, the question clearly says movie. Movie, right? So, yep. so the, the, the Superman franchises might not have been great, but to, to answer the young man over there, uh, Superman two. I mean, who can't remember General Zod and uh, you know, uh, the brother and sister. Uh, before Zod. Zod. And then they blow up crap with their eyes and stuff right. like that. <laughs> you know. I, I but, had a question for you, Mutt, but quite honestly, you've already answered it anyway. So that's fine. Well, then, um, 
I think I I'm ready to roll. Movie still, though. All right, and, go ahead. I'm going to give you another 30 seconds. Right, like, 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 say 21 Jump Street. 21 Jump Street, like, nobody says, okay, this, this movie that year was, like, best effects, best film editing. You know, like, there weren't a cat, you know, it wasn't an Academy Award winner. Now, I thought about 21 Jump Street when I looked at this. I mean, yes, it's pretty hilarious. And, you know, you got the juxtaposition of roles. And, uh, I mean, I, that was really strong. I thought that it was the funniest adaptation. And, but it, it, it didn't, like, live up to, you know, the original of like here, like I, I guess back in the day I was watching the adventures of uh, Superman was the TV show. Um, and that I used to see in like black and white and, and, and fell for her love with Superman. And then, you know, you came, they came on with this on the sc the big screen and they just blew it up. I mean, they had the, you know, the special effects, like whoever seen anything like that at that time, you know, uh, to, to create it. And then we must say that Superman itself is really like the catalyst that started it off to finally say we can make a super movie, you know, uh, you know, hero movie and like the whole genre right. from you know, Marvel and DC and stuff. owe it to Superman. All right. I, I've heard enough. Uh, well, well, I just, I just wanted to make is that, uh, that, that my movie seems to be the only one that, that has a cameo uh, from the original series with the Johnny Depp actually being in the movie. Uh, cameo, uh, and he was actually. I, believe, I, I, I actually do believe Mission Impossible One had a cameo somewhere. It yeah. ha didn't have live cameos, but it did actually have uh, pictures of all the original cast in it. So, yeah, that's true. Okay. Uh, okay, I've heard enough at this point. I'm actually going to give it to Mott. What? And I'll tell you why. Because Mott, <laughs> okay, number one, me. brought the one thing that we said from the very beginning, which is passion. If we don't have passion in our arguments, then we can't have a winner on the argument. And it's one of those things that he definitely, he fought for harder. Um, the one thing I would honestly suggest, Eamon, is when you do argue, make sure that you bring down articulate points and stop trying to tell me the whole plot of the movie. All right. Okay. So it'll, it'll help you, trust me. Okay. And as for Chris, very good pick. Um, however, the, the enthusiasm wasn't up to the caliper of what Chris usually does. All right, so I'm sure I'm sure in the next one I'm going to hear much better, uh, much well, more, uh, much more zest. So first point to Mott. All right, next question. Ding ding! There we go. <laughs> what is the best TV show adapted from a movie? So we've now taken a full reverse here. I think that uh, this one was a lot harder than the movie category. This one is a little bit harder. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I threw it in. And we're going to start with Chris. So, Chris, what was your pick? Okay, uh, my pick for this one was uh, is uh, Bates Motel, which is a Netflix series, uh, mm -hmm. series based on the uh, the movie uh, Psycho, uh, which is a classic from uh, the the early nineteen sixties, Alfred Hitchcock movie. Um, reason I love this movie so much is uh, um, in the, the movie Psycho, uh, it was so it was well written. Um, um, like we, we all remember the scenes of the, the girl getting stabbed in the shower. Uh, we all remember this. Um, we know about Norman Bates's mom that he kept her in the house. She, she was dead for over 10 years, but we didn't really know anything about Norman Bates and how he got that way. Uh, and this series is actually a whole prequel to the movie. So it was finally exciting to me to find out like, how the hell did Norman Bates get this way? What did his mom, what was his upbringing like? To to um, become this 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 kind of psycho that he, that he was in the movie, uh, and I I think that uh, the director uh, of Bates Motel did an awesome job. Um, 
like like right in the first season, like um, um, Norman Bates' mom gets raped. Um, um, Norman Bates sees all of this, uh, uh, kills the rapist. Uh, his mom and him bury the 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 the, the rapist together. They they drive out in the car and and bury him. Uh, it's just it's mind blowing the way that this kid grew up. And uh, it's just exciting to find out how Which, he uh, gives us some really good backstory. All right, excellent, Chris. Good, good pick. And uh, I don't know if we have the comment ready here, uh, Dave. Do you have the comment from Jamil? Okay, who is helping Chris? Two sane choices in a row. <laughs> Jamil, uh, obviously one of Chris's biggest fans, uh, <laughs> and uh, he's uh, very interested in that. Anyway, uh, good comment there, uh, Jamil. And I always look forward to hearing from you, uh, Mott. You're up next. I can't hear you, Mott. Going to go with The Office and the, uh, the uh, which uh, the movie that it was adapted from was Office Space uh, with uh, Jennifer Aniston and uh, Gary Cole and Ron Livingston. And I just thought, like, as far as an adaptation, well, think not, not only does it have one adaptation, it has two. You got a BBC version of it that has, you know, that uh, was a long run series and critically acclaimed. And I mean, everybody loved, you know, that version of it. And with Ricky Jarvis and, and, and the crew. And then Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais. <laughs> <laughs> it's Ricky Gervais. He's going to hate me for that, right? Um, so, and then you have, uh, you know, your Steve Carell cast uh, of The Office uh, in the US that ran like nine seasons. And I mean, when I think about The Office, I, I worked in an office. I worked at a place called Vanguard. And, and I mean, we, this is a, a big corporate like behemoth where it's like 9,000 employees and we have our own vocabulary and everything was based upon ships and stuff like that. So it's like word swabbage. Everybody had to learn how to you know talk a certain way. And watching the, the, the TV shows and the movies, I was always having like PTSD because it was such a real experience because what's really real is funny. And I mean, I think everybody would say it's one of the funniest shows that we've ever seen. And every time I still just, go to watch just, it, I've, right. I, I've, you know, get the PTSD. Uh, Mott, can you do me a quick favor and tell me what movie that was based on? Off Space. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't. I, no, it wasn't. <laughs> I, was just, I was just looking this up. It's not. It's not. It has nothing to do with it. <laughs> Are you serious? I'm very serious. You know uh, yeah, no. I, I'll tell you what. You send me. You send me a link that proves that your theory, and I won't make you void. That? The, the, the Office was actually uh, well. The American version of The Office was adapted off the uh, from the B BBC the, version. Yeah, the BBC well, version was just different. something that was created. Yeah, we're we're both TV shows, it does, so it's moot. Yeah, yeah they're both TV shows. So, anyway. Tell you what, but you do your research and get back to me on that. Uh, How's no, that? I, I, I'm out. I had some other good picks I could have picked. I could have went with like you know, something like Mash or something like that and argued for. One if you picked Mash, you probably would have won. But I know. Yeah, Mash was a movie. Mash was a movie first. <laughs> yes. Mash was a movie okay. originally. Yeah. And it was based on a book. Yeah. Uh, all right, Eamon, what's your pick? <laughs> so I picked Ash versus Evil Dead, which is based off of the classic horror series, the Evil Dead franchise. Uh, and the reason why I picked it is just because it's, it, it feels like the Evil Dead is such a horror classic and it's so good because it just never pulls any punches and you get that exact same 
anything from um, from Ash versus Evil Dead. You can really feel it. I mean, fucking Bruce, um, you know, fucking Ash Williams is in the flesh himself. Uh, and you got Bruce, um, Sam Raimi and his brother working on it, as they always did versus for the original um, uh, trilogy. Um, and you can really, and um, it's just kind of more of what I feel like was a, uh, a trilogy that honestly kind of got cut off a little early. Like, when I see Army of Darkness, I just wanted more of it. And Ash vs. Evil Dead gives it to you. Um, and I don't mind the fact that it kind of feels a little bit different because they definitely took a different aspect with it. You know, Ash is now an old man. He has, like, fucking dentures and shit. And so now he's kind of... He's kind of got these new people who are young, who are his age in the original Evil Dead movies, and he's teaching them about the Necronomicon Ex Mortis and how the fuck to deal with it and how the hell to kill a Deadite. Uh, so I think it's just an amazing kind of add to the series. Right. Great. Okay, uh, as Mod is pretty much not a contender at this point, we're just going to oh, kind I, of ignore I, him for the next little bit. But I went on to uh, to look it up, and it seems like some people, you know have engaged in this uh, before only to be called uh, ignorant by, uh, by those who, who know uh, a lot of people have thought the Mike judge's office space was done by this. And uh, they are clearly wrong. I, I, I can see how people can relate the true. two together. Yeah. I can definitely see I, that. I, I see yeah. it too, but, I see they, it too, not, but there's no, there's, there's nothing there. All right. All right. So Chris, Chris and Eamon. Uh, and the one thing I will remind everybody is there's a clock at the top left-hand corner of your screen for a reason. And let's try to follow that, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, mostly yeah, much. Uh, anyway, <laughs> when it hits zero, 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 stop talking. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. uh, so Chris and Eamon, both of you guys kind of picked a, a a pick that was either a prequel or kind of a sequel to the movie that uh, that inspired them, I guess. Um, or sorry, the uh, yeah, I guess I said that right. Um, so Chris. Yeah. Why is yours? Uh, why is yours a better pick than, let's say, uh, Amon's? Uh, you know, Amon's is obviously a, a a sequel to the Evil Dead franchise uh, and Army of Darkness, but of yours course. Yours is a prequel, to Psycho. Uh, and yours is more of a prequel where it tells a story leading up to the uh, Psycho, I guess. Right. Um, so, why is yours? Why is yours better? A better pick than Amon's? You know what? It's uh, I, I, honestly, I haven't seen Amon's uh, TV show, so I, I can't really put it down or comment on it. But I can say that the the Acting in my show, like uh, from uh, Freddie Highmore was the guy who, the kid who played Norman Bates. And he played him when he was, uh, he was still going to high school at this point. Um, his mother and him just just bought the hotel. They just took over the place. And his acting in that role was so convincing that it, it, it just blew my mind. Uh, I don't know if you know Freddie Highmore from his uh, previous acting, uh, but the only thing he's really known for before that is playing the kid in um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the Johnny Depp version, and yes. like we're seeing his um, like his development as an actor, uh, going from a little kid to to like a, a you know a teenage boy. Um, he has just developed so much, and he brought so much to the show. Um, and his mom, I, I forget the name of the actor. Her name was Bea or something. Uh, was just as psychotic as as him. Like. The the way they acted it out, you could you could really feel it in your heart. You could feel like right. these are some screwed up individuals, and and I can see now how Norman Bates got the way he was. And I truly believe that Alfred Hitchcock would approve of this series had he still been alive and and been able to see it. 
Fair enough. Okay. Eamon, same question in reverse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you said that you think that Alfred Hitchcock would kind of love it, but I know that Sam Raimi would love Ash vs. Evil Dead because he fucking worked on it. Uh, <laughs> it's obviously making it, so yes. Well, unfortunately, yeah. Chris doesn't have the advantage of his uh, director being alive. Alive, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Anyways, uh, fucking... I just think that I'm I'm content for first of things first is I'm actually content with Psycho. Like Psycho is a great movie, but when Psycho finishes, you know, I, I might want to rewatch it, but I feel like it's better in isolation. And secondly, I just don't think that Norman Bates is a character who needs to be explained. I don't think he's a character who needs you need why to like know why is that? Um yeah, why is that? Because I just think it's interesting seeing it unravel in the movie itself. And if you have the prequel, then I don't know. It just feels like the movie serves itself, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And you didn't need a prequel to serve it. It kind of takes away how he became a serial killer. Why? He got that personality. He did. Right. But did it need to exist? What I'm saying is that it doesn't need to exist. Whereas I feel like. Ash vs. Evil Dead show. Hang up. Hang <laughs> up. All right. Um, both really good debates, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of surprised on you there, Raymond. Um, you, you brought some good points. Uh, I Unfortunately, I'm going to give this one to Chris, though. And the reason why I'm going to give it to Chris is because of how he filled in why it's needed. Uh, you know, I, I need to know the backstory of this character because how did he get this way? How, did he, how does he have a 10-year old corpse in his uh in his basement of his mother you know that's that's really kind of yeah you know kind of the whole point of the, uh, the of what uh, chris was saying i'm not saying that uh Eamon, you didn't have a great pick i think you did uh, i think you articulated it pretty well um the one thing i probably would have wanted to hear a little bit more about on your end would be why we actually needed that you know we needed right. the further adventures of ash uh right. and i'm a very fit, big fan of um the entire trilogy as well as the uh as well as the show, so I can I can definitely appreciate it. I actually wanted you to win that one, but Chris right. got it a little bit by a squeak on that one. I, I, can, I can appreciate you not being biased because of your likeness of the show. I, I, I do very much like it. I actually, I don't really like Bates Motel all that much, quite honestly, but he did make a very good point. Hmm. All right, next one up. What video game has the best background music? And the reason why I did this because I'm not very strong when it comes to the music stuff to begin with, and I do know a lot about video games. Uh, so you might see a couple of those coming by through this. Uh, so, Mott, it's redemption time for you, my friend. Give us okay. an answer. So so music actually, I'm going to go with some that music actually exists in the video game. Um, so with half, I'm going with Half-Life 2, one of the greatest video games of all time. Very and, much so. And uh, when... Yeah, the music in Half Life Two came out like it was just so different. It just showed, you know, I played this, you know, game and, and every sequence in the movie, you know, they had you know moody like synthesizer music and then like driving like techno bass like in your fight scenes with you know, uh, and your battles when things got hectic. But like you in this game, I felt like you know for the first time like you felt like fear and terror and you know uh surprise and you like i think it's no wonder that it became like one of the greatest selling games of all time and and one of the most loved and it's it, it has 
like that gripping soundtrack as part of it. I think like if had it just been the graphics and the gameplay, you know, we, we'd be lo- like in love with the characters and, and how smooth the game runs and all. But I think it's the music when you're sitting up there late at night and you've got the headphones on that, you know, that really moves you. I mean, uh, before that, like we had our, you know, 8-bit and 16-bit games and is nice. But you knew you were playing a video game. There were catchy little tunes, but this immersed you. Excellent. Very good argument. All right, Eamon, you're next. All right, I picked Cuphead soundtrack. Mm. And I know, Cody, you said you're not someone who's a big fan of music. But as someone who is a big fan I'm a very big fan of Cuphead, though. Yeah. Uh, uh, The music in Cuphead is basically take a big band from the 1930s and put it into your game. In fact, that's literally what they did. There's a big band in this game. It has a vinyl soundtrack because they listened to vinyl back in the 30s. They're, what they try to do with Cuphead is that they're emulating the style of Fleischer-style cartoons, rubber hose animation. And what would have been playing during that? Because they didn't they didn't really have a lot of noise. It would have been big band. So uh, I feel like Cuphead's music is just perfect jazz and big band. You know, it's all hectic and improv and crazy and chaotic the way that it is. And it kind of jumps to, to like different spectrums. You kind of have like a slow waltz for like the King Dice song. Um, but the, the main reason why I picked Cuphead is because Cuphead's music immerses you in its world. I feel like music can be something that takes you to a different place. And to think that it takes me back to the 30s or the 20s when this animation was prevalent, I think that Cuphead soundtrack does that. Again, it's on vinyl. Um, and again, as someone who loves vinyl, I just kind of get nerdy over that shit. Um, but I just think that it serves its game amazingly, as well as being amazing by itself. Awesome. All right, very good. Very good. I'm actually pretty impressed. Uh, Chris, you got a, you got some splaining to do. I do have some splaining to do. And uh, I don't even think I'm going to need the whole minute and 30 seconds here. Um, I chose Super, Super Mario Brothers. Um, the reason this is the best background music ever uh, is because the songs are so recognizable. Really, there's only like kind of four different levels in Super Mario Brothers, the original. Like everyone knows how the game starts out, do 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 do, and then you know as soon as you pass that level, you're going uh, down underground, and you know how that that music goes, do 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 do. Then you're going on the treetops with the treetop music. Uh, then you're swimming with the swimming music, and then finally there's the castle music, which is uh, like a little bit faster and. The thing about background music um, is it should indicate where you are in the game. If if you're not in a room and you hear, like, let's say the castle music, you know, oh, somebody's out there playing Super Mario Brothers. They're on one of the castle stages. Uh, you may not know exactly which one, but you know what this person is doing, what they're what they're feeling, and the songs are are so recognizable. Um, symphonies have played these. People have done piano covers. All over YouTube, you can find covers of, the, of, of these songs. Um, when you grab the star, the music goes a little bit faster. But if you're not in the room and you hear the music going faster, you know, oh, that guy's got the star. So the background music is not only, it's, it's actually a part of the game that can tell other people where you are. All right. I'll tell you right now, boys, this is the hardest one I've had so far. Um, all three of you did really well on that one. 
Um, Tom, I'm going to go to you first. You mentioned that your your song your songs in the um, in the uh, game are very immersive. They they really articulate what's going on. Uh, Chris basically said the exact same thing, uh, just in a different way, but he kind of said the exact same thing. And even Eamon, to a degree, did that as well. Uh, yeah, we all. Uh, yeah, what 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 makes your soundtrack? Your your soundtrack is probably the hardest out of all of them. Um, you know, right, it comes because to more metal and stuff like that. I'm talking to. Uh, sorry. Mod, oh, sorry. Anyway. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Mott, What what makes yours uh, more immersive? I guess than the other two. You know, what 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 what? Why is why does it stand out? You're muted again. You're muted. Mott, nobody can hear you. I can. Okay. <laughs> there you can we hear go. I, I just thought it like originally with like these, you know, eight and sixteen bit games. You know, whether it be your, you know, Donkey Kong. Uh, you know, the, its original score and your Frogger sounds. I mean, I love Pitfall with the, you know, uh, it, 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 that that I mean was I thought one of the first games that started to use music to really like immerse you through the whole game and change it besides uh your mary brothers which you got to give it up I, I i mean it is you know a classic they do symphonies of the mario brother songs and stuff like that um however like going through that time and just seeing like the evolution of that like i think uh you know we saw you know in zelda and stuff you had your you know it finally showed it like a, a video game could be a score and you know, uh, but you still, it, it was probably limited to like 16 bits at the time. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, finally, like you're getting recognition that these people are composers. Um, but then move ahead to, you know, so, you know music in uh, games like Doom and uh, Duke Nukem and stuff like that, you know, just started like driving you and immersing you in this world. And I think about like another game that came out like from then, uh, Quake. And Quake was done by Trent Reznor. And Quake, Quake is very similar to uh, something like Half-Life 2, but it was like the first time that they were using a music, music like that. And that was the first time I was like, holy crap, like this video game, you know, is like real. Like I'm playing something that is like in, my, you know, I, I am fearing stuff. My heart is getting racing. It wants to jump out of my chest. I didn't feel that with Mario and, and Frogger and stuff like that. They were cute little do -do 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 sounds, sure. but... This, you know, it, it finally, and then with Half-Life 2, I just think they took it up a notch and finally blew the lid off of it right. and showed where a video game genre. I, I don't get pulse-pounding action from a puzzle game like Half-Life, or sorry, like Portal. Yeah. Okay, well, we're talking about Half-Life. Uh, but, but half, and Half-Life 2, you do, right? You, it, it feels like, you know, I agree. Yeah, you, it's you, very you, finally, you finally were playing something that was like a movie, you and you were in it. So Half-Life's two soundtrack was composed all in-house. Um, it wasn't like Trent Reznor or anything like that. Um, okay, no, 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 Quake, 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 Quake was the first one featuring Trent Reznor, that's and right, then yeah. and then they, you know, yeah, they they brought that in. And also, like, you got to think about the other video games. What you got the the games like um, all right. Grand Theft right, Auto. I'm gonna cut you off. You've taken way too long. <laughs> Eamon, I don't actually want to hear from you, Chris, because you literally hit everything that you needed to hit. Uh, Eamon, why? Yeah, you're you're talking big band, and obviously Cuphead is a very '30s inspired um, '30s inspired uh, game. Very very awesome uh, graphically as well as musically. Um, 
the the thing that bothers me about your pick, quite honestly, Eamon, is the fact that that music can be transcribed into a lot of various levels in that game. So, like, for instance, Mott's, Mott's pick has, you know, there's a level for, you know, the elevator scene. There's a level for this, you know, all this stuff. There's, You're there's, saying that my music is interchangeable. It is a little bit interchangeable. So I want to know why you think that I'm wrong on that. Uh, well, I guess if I had to find a way to put it in words, because I do, um, I would say that the uh what happens in the levels kind of um is like almost dynamic like i know for a fact that some of the levels like you have the clown level and it, it kind of sounds like the piano i feel like kind of serves as like mm -hmm. a jaunty thing where like you know you're kind of just like dancing around the the roller coaster that you're fighting that level on um and then you got the king dice theme which is to me very clearly supposed to be like like an intimidating theme because King Dice is set up as this character that like okay. threatens you. He, he's you know he's working in cahoots with the devil. Right. Um, uh, and you have the uh, the flower theme where I I've always thought that the flower theme of Cagney Carnation, uh, it it always reminded me the the percussion and kind of just the theme of it reminds me of always uh, like the the machine gun attack he has where he shoots the little seeds down. Okay. Um, All right, I'm going to ask you to wrap that up. Uh, <laughs> All right, Eamon, uh, you know what? You got exactly what I was asking for. Okay, Chris, I'm going to give you one quick question here. Uh, sure. Let's try to keep it a little bit quick if we can, because uh, we're running a little little long here. Um, Chris, what? why is, you know, obviously you've picked the most iconic out of everything. It, literally everybody knows these, okay? Uh, you know, if somebody played the Half-Life 2 soundtrack for some people, they probably wouldn't know what it is. Uh, same thing goes for Cuphead, uh, but well, you might, but you know, not everybody would. Uh, Mario is something that's kind of universal. Um, so why does why is your pick better? If if we can't use the term universal or something like that, why is yours pick be a better pick than to set the mood than the other two? Well, it was actually uh, written in eight bit, and uh, I, I think the, the the music just perfectly goes along with what you're doing. Um, the other, the other sounds you hear in the game, like when you're hitting bricks or grabbing a mushroom, doo -doo -doo -doo, the music is still going, and it and it just fits in with all the other sounds. There's it's, actually it's, it's just music. It's music. It's pleasing to the ear while you're playing this game. All right. Okay, I think I have enough. Uh, all three of you did really good, in my opinion. Uh, I agree. If if I have to go with somebody, I'm actually going to go with Eamon on that one. Uh, yeah. I think he articulated the point better, especially when I gave him on his second, uh, his second uh, quick rebuttal there. Um, not impressive, uh, impressive uh, answer. I was actually quite surprised to get that from you. Uh, I didn't think that that would be you. I, I don't think he would. I didn't. Think I he obviously would don't know enough about Lot. Uh, well, I, yeah. And sorry about like going over a little bit. I thought that clock was. I start. I thought I had a little bit left on the clock to. I'm talk. trying to keep it a little lean. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, we we normally allow everybody to have like three to five minutes, but I'm trying. Yeah, to I was just going to make some points, like like you know things that followed like Bioshock throughout the years and stuff like that. Like like you play like, the game? soundtrack, but it, you know sometimes I got to go with what the first were, and then like you know I guess people might have looked like like you know Grand Theft Auto. Oh. That's other people's music that set I, the music. Yeah, I have the advantage of playing all three of these games, so so obviously I know all three of them really well. You, you know our game. I was trying yeah. to I was trying to get the actual answers out of you. That's really what it was. And Eamon kind of jumped a little bit over on that one. So it's I, a nice I, play. 
I, 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 well, all three uh, are tied right now. That's that's pretty impressive, especially for anything Ooh. that I host. Uh, <laughs> all right, next question. What hockey team is best at missing the playoffs? All right, this this shit. Now, I'm not going to necessarily go for the one that's got the most, uh, you know, you know, non appearances here. I want I want to hear why they did that. Uh, so we're going to go with Eamon on this one. Okay, that might be a bit of a problem because uh, I based mine in pure fact. Um, looking according okay. to records.nhl.com, which is an official NHL website. I have checked this. Um, mm -hmm. uh, the besides two teams that only existed for one year in the NHL and two years in the NHL, respectively, and you, nobody's heard of them, and the Vegas Golden Knights, which have only existed for three years, the Winnipeg Jets has existed for about twenty years at this point and has had zero appearances. Vegas has actually had one appearance in three years, and the Jets have yeah, had tell me, zero. Tell me about your pick. Don't tell me about everybody else's. Okay, sorry. Uh, well, I just think that the Jets, um, basically, what what I'm trying to say here is that um, you're going on pure statistics. Yes. Okay. Well, I guess we don't what need to do argue that anymore. <laughs> yeah. All right. Unless you got something else to say, Eamon. Um, I'm sorry, I don't because that no, that's that was my game plan. But you know what? That's fine. All right. Chris, what was your pick? Um, my, my pick was the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, you know what? They, they had a 10-year drought. Uh, it was between 2016. Well, it must have been a drought. Um, and uh, you know what? What's the reason? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'll pass this one to Mott. All right, but next one. Maybe I picked a question that wasn't uh, too uh, articulate here. I'm not. I'm not much of a hockey person. All right, fair enough. All right, Mott, what's your answer? Well, I, I was going to go with the the, the Sabers, and I, I um, and it doesn't totally answer the question, I guess, as as you were looking for, as as far as how I'm going to answer it. I mean, they've had you know heartbreaking loss over this time uh, period, but like. One, it's nine seasons straight. They haven't uh, they haven't been to the playoffs, so they've had the lo the longest drought recently, um, and uh, they have uh, only been to the Stanley Cup Finals like twice in their history. So, like this is a team that you know they that I've known from like when the Flyers it was one of my first like experiences with hockey is knowing the Philadelphia Flyers were you know in the cup with uh, the Buffalo Sabers, and you know as far as far as my mind goes. As I grew up, I mean, I thought this was a historic franchise. I, I mean, you know, you had goalies like, you know, uh, and the success they had with goalies like Hasek and so forth. Like, it, they, they, to me, you know, were a winning franchise. And now, now we haven't seen them like do anything since the like they they played the Flyers. I think all the way we uh, one of their la last series, and uh, you know, uh, when they actually had a chance to do something and. You know, Philadelphia is my franchise. We took them out. But the, you know, to be, you know, go nine years and with some high expectations some of these years to get, you know, that they were going to do some good things. All right, great. Well, excuse me, I was typing out something at the same time, but I was listening. Um, <laughs> all right, 
Eamon, I don't think you really have much in the ways of retractions at this point, so I'm probably going to skip you unless uh, you do. I, I, oh. I mean, I, I just was going to say quickly that I was reading over the, 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 the question again, and it says, what hockey team is best at missing the playoffs? And out of our three teams, what team is the best hockey team at missing the playoffs? The, the Philadelphia, or yeah, the Flyers are. They statistically are. It's, All right. it's, it's fact. It's based in stone, and you can't really argue about it. It's objective. All right. I'm done. I'm giving it to Eamon. That's it. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I'm giving it to him because he articulated the question correctly um, and didn't bother to argue anyway otherwise. So, <laughs> fair enough. Amy's up. Not a, a little bit of a cheap win for you there, Eamon, but you know what? I'm going to give well, it to you. Well, I mean, I, I read the question and I answered it properly. And you called <laughs> me on it. That's fine. I'm okay with that. All right. Even though Mott, honestly, if he, if he didn't bring that up, I probably would have given it to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next Good question. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. What? I want to tell you, my, my first instinct in that question was going to be uh, to choose the Mall Rats, but they actually made the playoffs last year. So. You, you know wound what? me, oh. sir. You wound me. Allowed it. It didn't say NHL. It yep. said hockey. All right. All yep. right. History. Yep. Who's the most underrated president? Which I think we may have already had this question for now that I'm thinking of it, but I'm going to do it again anyway because there's three new people here. All right. We're going to start this one off with Chris. Um, I think we actually Chris. had the most. There we, go. we had the most overrated president. Um, but I, I'm not sure that we've had the most underrated. Uh, my choice is going to be George W. Bush, um, 2001 right. to 2009. Uh, this man was president. Um, you know what? Let's get things out of the way first. What was he hated for? Um, he left the economy the in shambles. Uh, uh, the, <laughs> the war in Iraq, yeah, the war absolutely. In Iraq was uh, was horrible. Um, th that's why people dislike him. Um, but why was he underrated um, during his presidency? Um, I don't know if many people know about this, but there was a huge AIDS crisis uh, in Iraq, in um, Africa. Sorry, Iraq was the war. Uh, huge AIDS crisis in Africa. Uh, and many, um, many of the top doctors at the time, we always hear the term top doctors now, were saying, like, George Bush, don't, don't help the Africans. Don't send them medication because they're going to just fuck it up. They're going to they're gonna miss their doses and they're going to um, cause other strains of AIDS. That, that, that the vaccine uh, will not be able to protect against. And what Bush did is he, he went against their decision. Uh, he spent uh, uh, billions of dollars sending doses um, of, of uh, relief down to Africa and vaccinations for AIDS and medication. Um, and in, in 2013, um, Secretary of State uh, John Kerry at the time said, uh, you know what, because of President Bush's actions, there's over 5 million children in Africa alive today. And I think life would trump uh, anything that's the economy as well. All right, good points. All right, Mott, you're up. Okay, uh, I want to go with James Polk. And, uh, uh, you know, like, who's James Polk? And, yeah, that's why. He's an underrated president. Like, uh, hardly anybody knows, you know, uh, who this man was. And... Um, you know he's he's going to under the radar you know throughout uh throughout history um but let's like talk about like what he did do and uh the, you know there you know one thing like he came into office and he had a very clear agenda and he's one of the only presidents like you know to come in and achieve 
every single one of his goals. He wanted to establish uh, a treasury. Um, he, he wanted to lower tariffs with, uh, uh, especially with England uh, throughout the uh, world. And uh, it was actually like one of our lowest tariff periods, uh, you know, of the time uh, and establishing the independent, you know, basically the precursor to the treasury, you know, changed our monetary system, uh, you, know, at, you know, as we know it today. He did little things like, uh, you know, he made Texas a state. We had annexed it before that. Um, and he ended up pushing uh, Mexico around and ending, ending the Mexican-American uh, war. And, you know, even though as a Yankee, I'm not uh, quite, you know, so big on uh, the merits of uh, Texas. Uh, but, however, I must say I wouldn't really appreciate the uh, Mexican-American border uh, you know, uh, going beyond Texas, he also uh, went in and uh, established the Oregon te territory, and not by force, We're but by. Uh, off, Mott. Have to cut you off, Mott. Got to watch that number. Anyway, very good, uh, very good uh, answer. Well, actually, actually, it's been zero zero for a I while. Know, I know. I was, I was letting him go a little over. Mott, Mott's a talker. <laughs> but yeah, I will tell I you, Mott, I, I, I learned I something about a president I didn't know. I already learned something I didn't know today, Mott, so thank you. <laughs> All right, Eamon, you're up. Okay. Um, my pick was Thomas Jefferson. And the reason why I picked Thomas Jefferson is because he's not even really known as a president. I mean, when you hear the name Thomas Jefferson, you think, oh, he's founding father, Thomas Jefferson. But that's not fair because he was the third president of the United States, and he did some pretty important shit, or at least he tried to. He uh, tried to reduce national debt in the country, something that the U.S. could really use today. Uh, he also like lowered um, like the impact, like the amount of I guess funding that the, that like the Navy forces had because it was peaceful during his reign or his um, his terms. Again, something that the U.S. could use. Uh, all the, both of those things are very important and could re really helped at the time. It could really help now. Uh, but one of the most important things I think he did is that. He purchased Louisiana in 1803, and that changed the geography of the U.S. forever. And the fact that he did that means that not only did he change the geography of the U.S., but he had one of the best states in the country, in my opinion, Louisiana. And for that, he at least deserves to be known as president and not just founding father. All right. Damon, good job. I learned something else today. I'm just learning today like there's no tomorrow. All right. Actually, all three of you actually have told me something I didn't know. So I'm pretty impressed with that. Uh, this is going to be a hard one, guys. Uh, Mott, no, I'm going to start with you. Uh, okay. Mott, obviously, Polk uh, being probably the least known out of all of these um, kind of gives you a bit of an advantage. Plus, you're also American, so that also gives you a little bit of an advantage as well. Um, what, is he why the American here right now? He is the only American here, yes. Uh, so, but we're glad to have him. Uh, Mutt, why is why is your presidential pick uh, a pick more worthy of of the underrated president title uh, than, let's say, Jefferson or uh, George uh, W. Bush? Uh, I'll give you one thing, like uh, you know, kind of relevant to today. This man came into power, set up an agenda, accomplished it, but he was only a one-term president. And he was a one-term president only because that was also part of his agenda. This man swore to come in, 
did what he did, did what he needed to do, accomplished every single one of his goals, and stepped away. Unlike uh, someone uh, who is refusing to uh, leave the house uh, at the moment. Good point. <laughs> all right, Chris. George Debbie, obviously, probably the most hated out of all the three picks here. Uh, but you made some very interesting points uh, about why well, he's yeah. also underrated. Uh, why, why do you think he's so hated, and why do you think uh, he still deserves that title anyway? Well, we got to remember, uh, when George W. Bush became president in 2001, 9-11 um, hasn't happened yet. Eight months into his presidency, uh, this shit happens, and we know it affected the whole world. It started wars. The Americans were angry at that time. The president at the time had to do something. Rightfully um, so, though. You know what? He, he had to do something. No, that doesn't make sense. If he got elected in one, then how? Then the how was he? Because um, he was inaugurated in January, and September eleventh yeah. obviously uh, happened Thomas? in September. Right, but I I, I just thought. Yeah. Yeah, it was November for some yeah, that's when that's when he won. But he doesn't actually come into power until January. All right. Yeah, anyway, keep going, Um, you, you know what he and the problem is the news coverage at the time wouldn't allow for anything other than coverage of that, than coverage of the war, than coverage of the the nine eleven attacks, then our revenge, then uh, oh, then Saddam Hussein, yeah. then weapons of mass destruction. It was all that was on the news, and the the fact that this president helped. Uh, he sent vaccines to over 13 million people in Africa uh, and saved millions and millions of lives. You can Google this. It was called like the President Efficiency Aid Relief Program or something like that. I'm kind uh, of I don't remember the exact yeah. um, And And like I'm saying, it's it saved millions and millions of lives. Uh, all that we hear about George W. Bush is the bad stuff because unfortunately, the bad stuff was going on during his presidency. Like, I mean, 9-11 was not in his control. He didn't He didn't ask for this. He didn't He didn't want to take on the task. No, but the war in Iraq the was. The war in Iraq was definitely partially him, yeah. All right, fair enough. Because Thank you, Chris. had to be retaliation. All right, thanks, Chris. Uh, Eamon, you picked, obviously, a very popular, um, well, as as you said, not necessarily popular as a president, but popular as a person. No, uh, a popular what, person. What makes definitely. your pick better than, let's say, Mott's or even Chris's for that matter? Um, I'd say, compared to Chris's, first of all, um, he, in the original segment, he actually spent more time shitting on, on Bush than he did saying good things about him. He said, like... You know, he started the war in Iraq, but he did, and he did all these bad things. But hey, at least he vaccinated a bunch of kids in Africa. That makes up for to all be, the, the, the genocide he caused, right? And all the racism that it, he kind of fueled. Because the uh, game is bringing the A game here. All right. Also, George W. Bush is not, like, he's definitely the most popular person here. You ask, like, 10 people in America, three of these presidents, I guarantee you the most, the most people are going to recognize is is going to be Bush because he's alive no, in our lifetime. People know one of the founding fathers. They're taught that in school. Compar comparatively to, to somebody who probably affected their livelihood, yes. All right, all right. I think I've heard enough. Uh, you all did very well on that one, by the way. Uh, makes things a little harder. I'm actually going to give this one to Mott, and the reason why oh, I'm giving okay. it to Mott uh, is number one, he he started with a president that isn't very well known. Uh, I didn't know a hell of a lot did. about Polk to begin with. Uh, and he articulated all the points that made him a, made him a good president. So, uh, my, well done, Mott. Yeah. All right. 
Yeah, like, like you said, at least my person was known as somebody. Right? Well, you two both picked presidents that we definitely know. Uh, like, I know Thomas yeah. Jefferson, and I'm not even American. So, you know, I, I, I know that he was a president. Yeah. I also know he was a founding father. I get it. But yeah, you, you made great points. And honestly, Eamon, you did a great job on shutting down Chris. So I, I was uh, pretty impressed yeah. with that. And Chris, yeah. I, you did start with the negatives before the positives, which kind of hurt you a little bit. <laughs> you had more negatives than you to did be, To be underrated, in my opinion, people have mm -hmm. to dislike you. They can't like you. You can't say a, a um, liked and underrated. I can see where you're coming from but on you, that, but in reality, underrated, an argument, underrated right? just means that, you know, not not as uh, well, well regarded as others. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad. Uh, Polk, I don't think, caused any mass genocide or anything like that. So, you know, uh, obviously, uh, you know, we're okay there. But, no, I, I get where you're coming from, Chris. I, I think all three of you did solid on that one for sure. All right. Next question. All right. What video game system needs a classic treatment that doesn't already exist? Now, what I'm talking about is those little tiny portables that you can always see or the, uh, the little tiny systems like I have, for instance, here, my... NES NES classic. Classic, I have classic, my Super Nintendo PS Classic. Classic. I got some PS PS ones and all that. I'm a very big video game guy, as you all know. Uh, Mott, what system do you think we need to have hooked up to our TV right now to play? Okay, um, some uh, I now I'm looking at the Magnavox Odyssey, and I'm going to say Odyssey Two. Actually, I think nobody's going to want to really play the Odyssey. I think there, there's a reason why there's not a console for that. It's because like nobody wants to like move around a bunch of little dots and stuff like that. Um, and when when I thought about this, I mean, I think every console system that I consider classic. I mean, I've had uh, the uh, Sears Pong game uh, back when I was a kid. That uh, was one of my, you know, it was my first introduction to video games. We, we had that. I remember, you know, when my dad brought that into the house at Christmas and playing pong back and forth, you seen that game is just a ball go, going back and forth. Uh, you know, and I played ColecoVision around the same time as the Magnavox Odyssey too. And I've looked though ColecoVision, they do already have like, you know, all those titles in a, in a console. So, I mean, that's one I would have really chosen is I, I like ColecoVision. And the same thing with Sega Genesis. I had the Sega Genesis, and I seen you know oh, they oh, now classic. have 200 titles and a thing. But the, yeah. so by default, it really comes down to the Magnavox Odyssey too. And I remember games like Quest for Rings and uh, like their baseball game. It like they, they you know outside of a you know before Atari, these were like some of the very like first games. Like you know it's a jump from Pong, and it's uh you know you know right before. Space Invader. So uh, I think the Odyssey, oh, I think you have to see the games. Uh, and that's part of my reason. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Bob. All right, Eamon, what was your pick? My pick was the GameCube. And I picked the GameCube because of the sixth generation consoles, which I think, in my opinion, is one of the best uh, consoles uh, or one of the best console generations. I think the GameCube is the most deserving of one. We already know that Nintendo can do amazing uh, versions of their classic consoles compared to, say, PlayStation, who obviously clowned with PS2, or the PS1 classic, so who's to say they wouldn't do something different with the PS2? But I'm digressing. Um, the GameCube classic could have so many classic games. I pit, Just listing off a couple I have here, Mario Sunshine, Luigi's Mansion, Legend of Zelda Wind Waker, Eternal Darkness, San Andreas Requiem, Super Smash Bros. LA, Zelda Four Swords Adventure, Pikmin, and so many more. Uh, yeah, there's no, there's no question how many they would be able to fill in. In fact, it would be troubling to 
only have 20 games because these usually have about 20 games in them. But sometimes it's a struggle. Like on the SNES, Super Ghouls and Ghosts 3, that's not exactly a stellar game. But on this, you could fill this game with first-party IPs alone and you would still be cramming stuff into it trying to find only 20 games. Uh, I also think that would be perfect to implement some of the features that they had on the GameCube, like uh, GBA support in the form of an app. You could have an app on your phone, and that could emulate the GBA uh, link cable that you had for that. Um, and I was also thinking that if you had online, you can like have like a server or something. You could connect it to the Ethernet, and you could use your your uh, online for for games like that that use that for the GameCube. Awesome. All and, right, All right uh, Evan. Very good job. All right, Chris. It's time for your wicked uh seems like Eamon's trying to design this thing instead of just uh get it created uh but my choice was the playstation 2. uh the reason i'm i'm choosing this is because uh it was one of my first systems um as an adult you know what i mean uh when i was a kid i got the, the nes for christmas i got the um the, the the super nintendo um i had a gamecube when when i was a a late teenager, uh, but it was the first system that I got in as an adult and, and started playing adult games. Um, unlike Nintendo, which is mostly um, those games were directed towards kids and family-friendly things. Eternal Darkness says no. When I could start playing games like uh, like Tekken 5, I remember I played that for hours. Um, the Gran Turismo series was on there. Um, what other was there? There was uh, Grand Theft Auto 3, um, one of the greatest games for... Uh, for a PS2 that uh, that probably spawned a, a a generation of of game developers to start creating games differently uh, as, as their third person perspective and a character that could run around the city. Um, also, Need for Speed. Um, this kept me entertained for hours. Uh, it was also, I feel, the PS2 was one of the last consoles that you could actually own and not be connected to the internet. And that's what I want to see in a retro console, is to not be connected to the internet. All right. Well, I'll say all three of those are pretty solid picks, uh, especially from my background. Um, I'm actually surprised at you, Chris, because there's one game that you should have picked because you have a tattoo of it. Well, Katamari Damascus. I, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, yeah, I won't hold that against you. Um, all right, Mott. I'm going to go with you first. And the reason why I'm going with you is because out of everybody's pick... Yours is the one that doesn't graphically shine. <laughs> no, um, and also, his, I didn't even know that the Magnavox Odyssey had a second installment. Uh, I think the second one actually outsold the first one, if I uh, remember. Yeah, but, anyway. um, but I'm not, I can't say I'm very much up on Odyssey. But the point I, I saw, though, is uh, at the time that they were out, they were the seventh uh, leading selling game system of the time. Which back then might not be that great. Let's put it that way. What's the seventh best best selling game system right now? <laughs> uh, <laughs> probably, probably the PS2. Right now, the GameCube and PS2 are both in the top three or probably, top five, uh, I think. Well, if you go best of all time, uh, the PS2 <laughs> definitely outshines the game. Definitely wins. Let's get back to the question. All right. The question is, Mott, these two guys picked, obviously, systems that graphically could look pretty decent on a, on a newer TV right now. Uh, yours is pretty much just blocks and blips uh, for the most part. Um, what... Why, what is it going to give us if we if we get a an Odyssey two that we can hook up to our TVs right now? What what's that going to do for us? 
I don't know. I think it's more nostalgia more than anything. It's uh, the question was, you know, that, you know, what one needs the classic treatment that doesn't already exist. And I think like for, for people like yourselves who love video games, like I had every video game system, like as they came out, if I didn't have the one, um, you know, my friend had the other. So like, if you didn't have the Atari 2600, your friend had a television, the other friend had a ColecoVision. Uh, somebody else had Magnavox too. And, uh, but you know, we we've you know, I, I would say like, oh yeah, it'd be awesome to have an Atari uh, console like this. Why well, look it up? They have an Atari console. They have a uh, yeah. ColecoVision console. They have a television console. And so, so I think about the so your point game. is more classic, right? right? So so these games would still thrill someone just to play on a basic rudimentary level, but just mm-hmm. the fact that the gamers and everybody could see this is like you know the advent of what people did back in the day to play video games, and you know you. You, you would play it for a few days or whatever. And, you know, it could be just something that sit there like, Hey, doc games can still be fun, you know? Uh, but yeah, like one of their biggest games at the time quest for rings was really like groundbreaking. It reminded you of, you know, dungeons and dragons and Lord of the rings. And it was kind of like this arcade games you played at the time. So it did give you something like that, that for one of the first times that you took that into your home and you really had an immersive uh, video game that told a story um, that you played like that. Awesome. Okay. Like Dragon Slayer. I just like to point. I just like to point out. Quick, sorry. I just like to point out quickly in between arguments here. Uh, Jamil, uh, Master System already has a classic. I'm not totally sure you're right on that. Really? I'll have to check that one. Anyway, hatred for this is not acceptable. I agree with uh, Jamil on that one. That is unacceptable. Uh, anyway, <laughs> it happens. Uh, now, obviously, uh, both Eamon and Chris picked more graphically uh, graphically heavy ones. Uh, they're looking more for the the younger generations, I guess, in a way, because uh, the older generations will appreciate the Odyssey and the Ataris and stuff like that. Uh, I myself grew up with an Atari 2600. That was my first system, um, so I can relate. Um, Chris, you, you mentioned that more adult titles would be where your system would kind of go. Uh, you know, not on the internet and adult. Um, can you explain a little bit more detail why that would be a good thing? Well, games like um, um, God of War was an amazing game. It, it, it was it was a, a mix of action. It was a mix of puzzles. You had to figure shit out along the way. Um, you didn't need to interact with other people. It didn't need to be on the internet. Uh, it didn't need to be updated constantly. I didn't turn on my PlayStation 2 and say, oh, you've got to download new updates so you can't play your game for another half an hour while these downloads uh, happen. Um, I, I just think that, that that was great about the PlayStation 2, and I think it was one of the, the last of its kind. Although the PlayStation 2 could connect to the internet, you didn't have to for it to be enjoyable. Yep. Um, and in Mod's pick, I would say that um, this game system doesn't need to be created because what would they sell it for? They would sell it for $89, and you would have yourself a half an hour of fun and be like, I'm never fucking playing this again. This was stupid. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Okay. Let's go to uh, Eamon. Eamon, what makes your pick the better pick out of all these? I think that what makes the GameCube such an amazing pick is that it it just kind of... If I had to explain it, because I do, uh, (laughs) putting it in words would be to say that it just kind of... It, it captivates an era for Nintendo. It has some of their best uh, games. 
it would sell crazy because I think we're right in the era where GameCube games are becoming the hot thing to remember about, to reminisce about. They have gone and up in value recently, yep. The Nintendo um, is a very classic brand, so no offense to PlayStation, but it's just more iconic, honestly. Uh, and I'm not, I was never saying, and I never said that internet was required for the GameCube. Um, I'm just saying that it would be cool to have all the functions that the GameCube could have, like the GBA support. And, uh, and I think that they could have wireless controller because the WaveBird, it would be a cool reference to the WaveBird um, controller. And I was actually thinking they could have GameCube support because people still use GameCube controllers as opposed to the USB type deal that they do on, say, an NES or... People actually still use GameCube controllers, so and Nintendo still manufactures them, so they could plug that into the console. They have the internet, uh, they have the G GBA support, but you also have some of the most, even without all of that, you have still one of the most solid lineups of the sixth generation. As I listed before, you have Mario, you have uh, you have Master Quest. I didn't even list that before. Which Mario game um, are you referring to as being a solid classic? Uh, Luigi's Mansion. Yeah, I never played it. Okay. Uh, game, but all right. <laughs> anyway, that's fine. I debate that it is, but well, like anyway, the universe. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just think that honestly, more people are gonna buy a a, a, a GameCube classic. Say at the same time, a GameCube classic releases and a PS2 classic releases, and they're both good. Like it's not where the PS1. Sum it up, Eamon. Um. <laughs> I think that the GameCube is just going to get more sell sales, and I think it's just going to be an overall more worth it product. Okay, I just want to I just want to rebut that that the uh, PS2 has had more sales than any console ever at 155 million in 2012. At which this was in 2012. After that, more PS2s were sold, but Sony fucking stopped counting. They were That's like, we're sold actually, I worked for Sony at the time and they discontinued this. Uh, this yeah. segment. I was going to say that's why it's just because Sony wasn't getting sales anymore. Uh, that's not totally true. But anyway, all right. All right. I've heard enough. I hate to do it, but I'm giving this one to Chris. Woo! Yeah, I knew you were going to give it to Chris. And the reason why I'm giving it to Chris is because he made every point I needed to hear as to why this is needed. Why is, why is it there? It's got... You know, it's got good support, all that stuff. It's it's a simple system, all that stuff. And that's something that definitely is what the classic appeal is for a lot of people. People want to just buy these things. Can I go on and say that Mott never had a chance with this one? Years. Well, uh, I guess like... Mott, Mott definitely didn't have a chance with this one. The, Mott, Mott's version would be that plug-and-play, like... Uh, yeah, exactly. you know, the little tiny dongle that you put in your TV, yeah. and like, yep. and as Chris said, you'll play it for 30 minutes and then never touch it again. Same thing <laughs> yeah, that happened with my Atari flashback. Yeah, I have yeah, a very flashback that I've played maybe for an hour. Yeah, like my game system definitely, like Eamon said, it is not needed. Like Eamon said, it's not needed. And like Chris said, it, it, there's a reason why they they did not bring this out, you know. Yeah, we, fair enough. Anyways, we're 2-2-2, two, 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 so we need All to right, do the uh, tiebreaker. Are we 2-2-2? Two, two two? Yep. Oh, shit, we are. Okay, yeah, because Chris got, yeah, okay, yeah, we are. There it is right there. Our producer, Dave uh, <laughs> Mater, behind the scenes has uh, let us know that this is where we're at. I love right. how passive-aggressive that was, just, just to show you it's be like, this is the score. I will tell you that I'm going to be doing some of these questions on the fly because I wasn't ready for this. All right, so anyway, yeah. good that I made open-end questions, though, so that way all three of you can participate. So I don't know how many times, uh, Dave, are you there right now? Can you no, we have to do a tiebreaker first. I'm here. 
I'm here. Okay, so how do we do this? Is this just a tiebreaker and then two people go on, or do all three people go on? Yeah, so you should probably make it a question that you're gonna like take you're gonna decide which two move on and which one doesn't. So gotcha. Um, okay. All right. Okay, you know what? Let's stick with the video games, I guess, because uh, all three are fairly knowledgeable in that. So I think uh, that's probably your best bet. Uh, if you could erase one video game series from existence, what series would it be and why? Uh, first person who wants to pick, feel free to go. I'll give uh, you a couple seconds, and then once you blurt out something, you're going to start. Uncharted. All right, you keep going. All right, Eamon, go ahead. You two, get Honestly, ready. Honestly, Uncharted should have never happened. Uncharted, to me, personally, is just a fucking ripoff of the better franchise that everybody actually loves. Laura Croft and Tomb Raider. Um, I've never found uh, what is his fucking name? Drake. Nathan Drake. Fucking Nathan Drake. Thank you. Uh, I've never found Nathan Drake to be a character that is interesting. Uh, he's so boring. He's just the the stereotypical quirky character who cracks jokes and makes all this funny shit. And he's just not fucking funny. Compare that to a badass like Laura Croft, and it doesn't even fucking stand up. Like Laura Croft can fucking shoot him in the head easily because she shoots fucking velociraptors and that's unique if you stand on the fucking hand of midas in the original tomb raider one you've turned to a fucking solid gold that shit you remember you do not remember anything about uncharted i don't remember well, shit about uncharted it's not fun i'm sorry but i really need to get this fucking out all right well you definitely have an opinion on that for sure <laughs> all right who wants to go next uh, I'm gonna call one of you if you don't. I'll say postal. Uh, All right, postal, go for it. Come well, on. postal was just a video game like like back in the day uh, that was just very unimaginative. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, in the world like okay, you already had your shoot your first person shooter genre that like you know started up with uh, you know Doom and so it, and Duke Nukem, like that kind of stuff was you know the genre for the for the time like you know. We first got to saw these uh, first-person games where you just ran through a you know a series of bad guys uh, with uh, even badder guy you know uh, challenges at the end. It was basically just like your your linear um, 2D games that you that you play, but now you're you're playing them in first person, and uh, the, you know the storylines were just really you know thin as you know. Uh, Fifteen seconds. And, you know, with the game. Um, uh, uh, but then, like, you know, we started to see our Grand Theft Autos and, and stuff start to emerge. And, you know, you start to see what, like, video games could really be. And they were really in-depth. Postal was just a piece of crap that just came out. And it was just, like, one part of Grand Theft Auto where you're just killing each other, blowing each blowing heads off. All right. And you're that's done. all it was. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Bob. All right, Chris, you're up. Not sure if, not sure if Postal was even a series, but I'm going to go with Double Dragon. Um, the reason I want Postal. this series oh, deleted no is because this, you. this game took so many of my quarters back in the day. And <laughs> I just want my damn money. <laughs> I used to play That's a good thing. At Pizza Pizza. That's a good thing. That means you liked it. I was just like a little, I was only like a 13-year-old kid. I didn't know any better that I put my 25 cents in there and I die like 15 seconds later. Then I'm going to have to put 25 more cents in. This is the worst game in history. I remember spending like $10 every lunch, and I didn't even have that money. Sometimes I didn't even get to eat my lunch because I couldn't <laughs> afford it. 
That's your fucking fault. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Uh, so I have to pick two people that are going. Uh, so I'm going to eliminate one. Unfortunately, Mott, your time has come, my friend. Um, Postal, you didn't hit on anything to do with Postal. Postal is definitely a series. There was at least three of them. Uh, the first one was a third person top down. The second and the third one were both first persons. Uh, it was a raunchy, raunchy title. I think that's what you were trying to get to. Yeah, I just thought, I just thought it sucked. It, it just didn't like, you know, there was so much Did, more. You just couldn't you articulate it. Yeah, 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 there's more immersive things you can do. It was just blowing heads off and shooting each other. And it, 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 there was, and it, it went on like it was a series. It went on to have a few, few games and there was just nothing to it. I wish it went away. Uh, I don't disagree with you. I think out of all the picks that uh, were were made here, uh, I definitely would agree with you. I just didn't vote. fight hard for the for for the best pick, but so. unfortunately, you just didn't give me the points. So I'm trying to be as as uh, unbiased as possible. Honestly, Amen. Honestly, Amen. I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. Uncharted is a great series, uh, but anyway, that's fine. And Chris, um, I think they really hit the nail on the head when it came to uh, getting money out of you. So that was good. <laughs> So anyway, all right. Oh, bye, Chris. I can't believe someone had a more terrible choice than saying Uncharted. I actually didn't kick him out, Jamil, but that's fine. But he at least made some good points. Um, all right. Well, Tom, I'm sorry uh, to say that your uh, your time has expired, but uh, I appreciate fun. you being on. And I hope you kick around at least. You stay around for a bit. All right. Yeah, Mott, just because you're new to this, we'll take you off screen, but you're still they'll still be able to hear you. So I might even ask you, uh, you know, uh, you know what your opinion yeah. is on it if i'm a little uh tied here okay so mott don't go away all right speed round Movie. and funny enough this is gonna sound very familiar uh if you could if you could change the casting of one action hero with another what would you have done so basically what i'm saying is a major action hero take them out put in another action hero in their place for the same movie uh so who wants to go first I, w I would put John McClane in, in Mission Impossible. All right. So you're saying Bruce Willis being the lead instead of uh, yes. Tom Cruise. All right. Um, I just think that it's perfect for John McClane's character. Uh, fucking, it feels like everything fucking goes wrong in Mission Impossible. And that's part of the charm of Die Hard is that everything fucking goes wrong. And still, John McClane <laughs> comes out with fucking stepping on glass. Five seconds, Damon crawling through vents and shit, and I think it would just, it's just a perfect parallel. All right, perfect. All right, Chris, go ahead. I don't know. Uh, can I choose Die Hard? Yeah, who are you gonna, who are you gonna replace uh, Bruce Willis with? I'm gonna replace him with The Rock. Because with the I Rock. Think, okay, let's hear it. I think it would be more intense. Um, I think there would be a, a lot more grunts. There will be a lot more uh, uh, action. Um, Bruce Willis um, is is iconic in that role, but I would love to see The Rock do it with his with his muscles bulging out through that uh, through the vent All right. while while he's coming out. All right, both good picks. Uh, in this case, I'm going to give this one to Eamon. Oh, yeah, I'm not uh, sure. I was going to say. Uh, by the way, they already made your movie, Chris. It was called Skyscraper. All right. <laughs> and also, also, I feel like having rock, the rock and Die Hard kind of defeats the point of the character. Uh, I would agree, and that's the reason why I went with you. All right, next one up. Uh, what what TV show would you have canceled before it ended? So you clearly didn't like, let's say, the last season or the whole s series or anything like that. So, Save by the Bell. Oh, 
Supernatural. All right, Chris said it first. What was it, Chris? Saved by the Bell. Saved by the um, Bell. Okay. Unfortunately, they've done a reboot of it now. Um, it's on TV. Uh, it's horrible. It's already getting horrible reviews. Um, it's already being racist. Um, the original series was uh, was no better. Um, it was horrible. Uh, it went on for seasons and seasons, and I don't understand why people liked it. Uh, this was this was during the '90s with Zach uh, Morris and Kelly Kapowski and Screech, and Screech uh, went on to be like some kind of porn actor and. Um, I don't know, AC Slater, what was the fucking guy's like name? I don't remember. But it was just horrible. And and the reboot is even worse, and it's already gotten major criticism. Oh, okay. I didn't even know there was a reboot. All right. Eamon, you picked Supernatural. I, Why? I picked Supernatural because physically having Supernatural go on past season five ruins it or makes it worse with every passing episode. It got worse and worse. Uh, I feel like the CW really got to get its influence on the show. Uh, the thing about it, though, is season five ends it well, like with the Satan arc and the Four Horsemen, and there was no reason for it to go on. And it's clear that they had no ideas after season five. Uh, fucking, it just ruins it with every passing episode, and it should have ended at season five. Okay, uh, this one's not that hard. I'm going to go with Eamon on this one, too. <laughs> Chris, you got to step up your damn game, boy. I got to point. Uh, you basically didn't tell me anything. <laughs> yeah, you did. Anyway, that's fine. Oh, you said it was racist? Uh, I, it was. I, don't know. Yeah, I think there was a little bit of racism in there. I, I agree with him on that one. But anyway. Okay, I, I don't know anything about the Saved by the Bell, so. Well, neither does Chris, apparently. Okay, anyway. Sorry, Chris. I had to get it out. Uh, all right, Chris, I'm gonna, uh, you gotta get harder on these ones, bud. Even if you gotta right. wait a second, all right? Music, music, so all right, luck. music. Let's say you're Thanos from the MCU, and you could easily snap one group or musician or band out of existence. Which one would it be? Out of existence. Out of existence, as in they never existed, we don't need them. I don't know what their names are, but I know the band. <laughs> well, I'll start looking it up. Heyman, do you know anything? Uh, I'm going to say... It could just be a band you hate. You know? It could be just... Or a band that you think doesn't oh, give us anything. You know what? Yeah. You know what? I'm going to go with fucking... Whoever wants to answer first. Come on. Either that or I'm going to pick somebody. You know what? I'm going to... Uh... All right, Eamon, you're up. All right, I guess I'm going with fucking. Uh, I was gonna go with fucking Twisted Sister because Twisted Sister. I, all right, let's hear it. Twisted Sister for me represents uh, everything I hate about hair metal. You know, when Van Halen came along, they brought a million clones with them, and Twisted Sister <laughs> is the one I can remember the most, and it's also the one that I hate the most from my memory. But to be fair, they're all the fucking same. So who knows? Maybe I would think otherwise if I actually remember. All right, well, well, I'm not going to take that. We're not going to take that, are we? We're not going to take that. I'm not going to take Twisted Sister. Dee Snyder is amazing. We're not going to All right, anyway. All right, what's your pick? I would choose Alanis Morissette. And my reason for this choice, the whole band. The whole band. I can choose the whole band. My reason for this is because you came up with a question that said the MCU universe could snap her out of existence. Well, if you can snap her out of existence from a movie, she can bring herself back because she plays God in Dogma. That's it. Not totally sure you got the point of the question. Did I actually win this? Right? But you know what? 
I'm gonna no, I'm gonna give it to Chris anyway because I just liked his answer. Okay, can I just say for the record that sure. when I was when I was running low on time, I actually do really love Twisted Sister, but I had to make a fucking argument. That's fine. <laughs> we, we lie all the time on this show. That's that's a, that's the fun about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, we do. All right, so just to recap, Eamon has five, Chris has four, so we got a tight race going on right now. All right, so we're 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 gonna keep with the uh, you know the uh, the existence uh, being flashed out uh, theory here. Sports. If you could remove one major sport from the world forever, as in we've never had to play it, we don't know anything about it, what would it be? I would pick football, American All right, football. Go ahead, Eamon. Uh, the main reason why I'd pick American football is because it's physically harmed the lives of its players. There's fucking concussions. Um, it causes people to have fucking cerebral or fucking mind problems, and then they end up killing wow. people and then killing themselves. It's fact. We know it at this point, and yet we still fucking play it like fucking idiots. So, the only other sport I can even think of that does that is hockey. But it's not integral to hockey. It's integral to fucking um, football. And the fact that so many people still watch it and still support this fucking demoralization of people is All fucking right. disgusting. I don't see Chris on screen. Did we lose him? Oh, nope, there he is. Okay. All right, Chris, what's your answer? No, I'm here. Um, you know what? I'm going to choose um, equestrian uh, dressage um, just because nobody watches it. What nobody it? cares about it. And if it was done, um, it wouldn't affect the world at all. Hmm? All right. What sport did you pick? Sorry. It, it was uh, equestrian dressage. Oh, uh, that's where they dance? Um, that's horse dance. Uh, that yeah, is that's when people sit on a horse and the horse dances around. Um, and it prances, and I don't know, they call it a sport. Um, it's in the Olympics, uh, so it must be a sport. Um, but you know what? It wouldn't affect the world. I think if football was gone, there'd be a lot of angry football fans. Their football brings joy to a lot of people. No, they wouldn't be. They wouldn't remember it. Yeah, never existed. And also, I'd like to point out that a question just has, as he points out, has no impact. But mine does have an impact. And Can't agree with that. Maybe get <laughs> I would have accepted yeah. baseball. That would have been my answer. But anyway, <laughs> I think both of you guys like baseball, so that probably wouldn't happen. Um, yeah. See, all right. So I like Chris, baseball solely because it's nostalgic. It's step mm -hmm. up the game time, my friend, because we only have two questions left, and if you miss either one of them, you're gone, and Amon wins. So time to step it up. Uh, all right. Yeah. We're going to do the existence thing again, because I'm not that creative. Uh, all right. In history. What's up? You had like 10 minutes for this. No. Be fair. You had like anyway, 10 minutes for this. Hey, wait, Producer Dave runs the show. You don't. All right. Anyway. <laughs> all right. If you could remove one war or one excursion, one, one, one conflict in history, completely erase it so it never happened. Which war would which war would you remove? Or conflict? I'd remove the Cold War between Cold war. Russia. Yeah, between Russia and the U.S. All right, tell um, us just, why. Just just because this war uh, didn't actually have any physical violence, um, there was no reason for it. Um, nobody nobody actually died because of it. Um, the the reason I would remove it is because the world would have progressed so much better if it didn't exist. And 
countries wouldn't have started accumulating um, nuclear weapons. The Cold War is what prompted the development of nuclear weapons and the stockpiling and other countries trying to get them. Um, and it, it just caused a worldwide dilemma that we had enough nuclear arsenal to destroy the entire planet. All right. Good, good point. Samen. World War One. Simple facts. World War One. if it didn't happen, we wouldn't have World War Two. We wouldn't have the Korean War. And most importantly to Chris's argument, we would not have the Cold War. If we had no World War One, we wouldn't have any uh, fucking Auschwitz or any of that shit. We wouldn't have so many dead bodies. We wouldn't have the trenches. And if uh, and if World War One never existed, both my war and Chris's war never existed, which means that it technically is objectively better. Uh, I don't agree with you on that, but all right. Uh, I don't see how that war being removed from existence means that none of the other wars would have happened, but. It would just been, it would just have made World War Two be World War One. That's right. Yeah. No, it it, it's not like World it was a sequel or something like that. It, no, because World War Two wouldn't have happened because the impacts of, World War Two would never happen because the impacts of World War One are what caused World War Two. Well, there is some direct correlation, yes, but it, well, I it was 1914 to nineteen forty four. It was like there was like thirty years in between. There's other shit that went on in that. There was time. a lot of stuff that happened. Yeah. Um, you know what? I'm gonna give this one to Chris. Okay. Just because I didn't really like how you articulated your points on that one, so that's fair. but that's okay, Eamon. You've done you've done fabulous during this entire show so far, so you're doing good. Better than Chris, actually. I'm even surprised he's here. Uh, but anyway, yeah, <laughs> just kidding. I thought I was going to be fighting Mott. I'm not going to lie. What's that? I thought I was going to be fighting Mott. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Mott was very close. Hopefully, Mott's still listening. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, so Eamon. Chris- Five, Chris, you got to get this to get to a tiebreaker. If you don't get this, Damon wins. This is it. This is this is the whole kit caboodle. All right, I'm gonna go with video games this time. Oh, what? Here we go. Popular franchise. So basically, a franchise has to be more than two, or two or more. Mm-hmm. All right, in video games, mm-hmm. could be directed by somebody else. And still come up with the exact same thing. So what I mean by this is, let's say you have your Mario. Let's not use Mario, but Mario as an example. If Mario was made by somebody else, would it be the same game? Uh, you know, you have stuff like Call of Duties and all that stuff. Um, what for for sequels to happen, they obviously have to be good games. So if there's some series that have obviously, you know, this is a very articulate question, apparently. Uh, there's a lot of series that have been made over different studios, such as the Call of Duty series mm-hmm. is a very good example of that. Um, what game, if it was made by somebody else, would it be completely the same game? So basically a game that obviously was designed in a way that it's universal, I guess is a good way to look at it. Try to make this as hard Don't. as possible. I'm going to go, like, you mean yeah. so someone developed the first game and then the second game would have been, like, very similar or similar to what the... the, the... Same thing, but different developer, yeah. Okay. It doesn't, one... doesn't have to exist. I'm just saying this is something you can do. All right. right. Katamari Damacy. On this one. All um, right. Tell me why. When the first Katamari Damacy came out, I mean, they, they, they there's only one way to play this game. You roll your thumbs, uh, you, you press the, the, the joysticks forward, you press them sideways, you collect shit yourself, you get bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, anyone else who had to make a sequel 
would have to make it the same. Like there's there's no expanding on this concept of what this game is. You collect things. There being there's there's actually many apps that you can download that are Katamari clones. So many people have already recreated this this game, and it, it's the the exact same thing. You get bigger and bigger and bigger, and you finally take over the world in the sun. All right, perfect. Thank you, Chris. All right, Evan, you're up. All right. Couldn't hear your answer. Sorry. Can you say it again? Two K Sports Line. Specifically, which one? Uh, let's go with. Uh, you know what? No, we're actually gonna that. Okay. So you mean any NFL, uh, NFL Two K Series? Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I, I think uh, it's pretty clear that Amen. I think you're covering your microphone or something. I think yeah, my microphone. Can barely hear you. Uh, there we sorry. go. Sorry, that's better. Um, okay. Um, I was just thinking that um, you know, the director doesn't control these games. The company controls these games. They control how these how they're created. Mm -hmm. They control how everything happens on them. So if you had a different director, it wouldn't matter because the director has zero influence on how the game actually is. Uh, I believe the question okay. was that a different a different company entirely could make this game and and still come up with the with a very similar plan. All right. Okay, I've heard enough. Uh, Eamon, it was a good pick, but it's not good enough for what the the idea of the question was. So I'm going to give this one to Chris. I think I was just confused by what the question was. That's fine. It, it was kind of a off-the-wing question, so maybe I didn't articulate it that well. But either way, we now have a tie-tie. This is uh, this is exciting. I don't think I've ever seen Chris this close to winning. I, I don't think we've ever had two ties in a like, I two don't know ties. If we have, yeah, come to think of it. So anyway, I don't know. Uh, producer uh, Dave, uh, have we ever had this happen before? Well, not in the same episode, maybe, um, but oh, okay. like where we had a tiebreaker at the end of the main round and then at the, again at the end of the, of the speed round. But uh, it, the the solution remains the same. You have to come up with a on the fly question here, Jody, and they got to try to. And I, I definitely wasn't as prepared as I could have been. All right, but anyway, that's fine. I got a question. All right, this is for it. This is everything. You got to bring your A game. We're gonna give you one minute each for this one, okay? All Just right. to kind of keep it as fair as possible. Is that all right, Dave? All right. Yep. 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 All right, perfect. Uh, Dave, Dave obviously knows what he's doing. All right. All right. For the whole kit and caboodle, if you had to remake one movie and you had to put Bruce Willis in the lead role, what movie would it be? Nowadays, bro, like, what era Bruce Willis? Does he still have his Doesn't hair? Matter. Doesn't matter. You can okay. make that up. But the, the main character has to be Bruce Willis. But it has to be an existing movie that you're going to remake with him in it. I would choose Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. One minute. Let's I would go. cast Bruce Willis instead of Johnny Depp because I would like to see oh, Bruce Willis yeah. uh, take out. I, I would like to see him play uh, Willy Wonka. I, I think that would be a, a, a hilarious movie. It would be a comedic. It would be out of Bruce Willis's comfort zone. He would probably fucking hate making the movie, uh, but it would probably make a lot of money. Um, I would just love to see him uh, um, singing the songs and and dancing as Willy Wonka does and doing his little chuckle like, he, he, "I'm Bruce Willis. Look at me, the Chocolate Man." Uh, it would <laughs> it would be so hilarious. 
Uh, I, and I just think that people would flock to the theaters to see it as, as long as there wasn't COVID. Uh, and I would love to see him smash through the glass elevator at the end. It would be amazing, and he would uh, <laughs> at the end he would give uh, give little uh, little Charlie Bucket the the chocolate factory, and uh, all would be good in the world. That I'm impressed, Chris. That's all I can say. All right, Eamon, impress me. I know you will. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna pick fucking True Lies. True Lies. You know, uh, uh, he's replacing fucking Schwarzenegger. I think that. Uh, Bruce Willis is just really well at playing characters who are in the middle of, like, a crisis. And uh, fucking, he can just make it work in the role that Arnie has to do, where he's, like, an undercover cop, and he's been found, or an undercover CEO agent, he's all been found out, and he has to explain it to his daughter, and now he has to go on a mission. Um, I just think that he would fit in it. I think he would be better for the movie, because, you know, you have fucking John McClane, uh, goddamn being basically a secret service agent. Like, imagine if, like, his kids grew up, and then they fucking... They were fucking in the movie. Uh, it would just be so interesting, I think, because... Uh, yeah, I think that he would just make the movie better, too, because I feel like not having an accent would make it easier, because you could just I hear know. him properly. Hey, the question was, what movie do I want to see Bruce Willis in? I don't want to see him in a role that he's played a thousand times. I want to see him in a brand new role, and I want to see a new Bruce Willis. All right, what's your rebuttal to that, Eamon? Uh, I want to say I would say that fucking uh, I don't know what fucking fever dream uh, Willy Wonka in the fucking chocolate factory came from, but we do we didn't need it with Johnny Depp, and we didn't need it with fucking Bruce Willis. All right, yes we do. Mutt, I, I'm having a hard time here because both of these are pretty decent picks. I kind of am straying towards one of them. Uh, but I wanted to hear what your thoughts were on these two uh, these two proposals of uh, Bruce Willis movies. Uh, I, I like how Chris answered the question. I'm go, going with uh, how he backed this answer for, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think Chris is the my choice. Uh, that's the one that you'd want to you'd want to watch. Yes. Um, you know what? This is a hard for me. Uh, um, I, I've uh, producer Dave. How long have we done this show for? Uh, three years. Three years. In three years, how many times has Chris won? I don't think he has one. I don't think he has one. He has today because I'm giving no, it to right. him. Woo! Uh, Amen. Great pick. I, I don't. I had a great pick, but I made a terrible argument. Uh, your argument could have used a little bit more. Uh, you basically sold me on a movie that already exists, uh, which is pretty yeah. much every Die Hard movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But Chris, Chris you know a, what? If you didn't Chris drop the point. McLean line, you probably would have been okay with it. But you know what? Honestly, I mean, you did great today. Um, I, I didn't know who was going to win out of this one because all three of you guys kind of argue the same way. Uh, very, very close. Uh, but let's be honest. Um, Chris has won this one today, and uh, it kind of saddens me to give him his first win, but uh, but you know it was well deserved. And Amen, very very good fight. Uh, so my hats off to you, even though I'm not wearing a hat today. Uh, but my hats off to you and uh, headphones, headphones off, off, I guess. Yeah, there you go. Uh, wow, I sound a lot different with the headphones off. Uh, but anyway, uh, great all around, everybody. You guys did fantastic. Congratulations, Chris, uh, for being your first win. Uh, so well done. Well well Thank good you. fight there. And uh, Amen. 
you, you gave him a hard run for sure. Uh, Mott, not so hard, but you know what? It was a lot of fun having you anyway. <laughs> I started back right. Chris's points. So I'm like, yeah, that was a good point <laughs> he made. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem is I can't be biased. You know what? I, I actually, out of the two movies that these guys were arguing, I probably would have watched Damon's before I watched Chris's, but Chris, Chris made some very good points on that. So. He did have the better argument. Uh, Speaking of arguments, sometimes we get into them, Dave. Wouldn't you say? Uh, Especially on some of the uh, some of the long living podcast uh, type stuff that we do here. Uh, We we do various ones. Uh, Dave, you want to uh, quickly uh, give us a quick shout out on which ones those are? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, Just to uh, come in here for a minute. So thank you for watching today's edition of Trivial Debates. A big thank you to Jody for hosting and making the tough calls on these rounds. And our great here, we do this show once a month here um, on Trivial Debates here on YouTube and Facebook. We also have our other channels, including Super Mater Brothers Podcasting. That's where my brother Jeff and I and Jamil, we all talk about Survivor and Big Brother and uh, and some other shows over there. Uh, and also our other our other channel, Live Long in Podcast, which is a Star Trek-focused um, channel that where we talk about uh, Deep Space Nine and original series. And we also cover new shows like Star Trek Discovery and Lower Decks. And we also do Star Trek Radio Theater, where we reenact some scripts with some fun voices and, and uh, do some things there. We just finished up the first season. In there, so check out all those uh, those great channels and, uh, from uh, Super Mater Brothers Podcasting family. All righty, all right, perfect. I don't know where I am now, but there we go. All right, I'll eventually come back. I'm sure there I am. All right, well, I just want to thank everybody. I think you guys did a great job. Uh, you know, Mott, always, always a pleasure to have you. Uh, Chris as well, and of course, Eamon, uh, you, you gave a really hard, hard fight there. Um, all of us, uh, thank you very much. You know, keep safe, uh, all that stuff. And of course, uh, now there is a line here that I'm supposed to say. I don't know if I should say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Until next time, see you on the flip side. Oh my God, he said it. Oh, thank you. <laughs>